Hey everyone, welcome to the Mass Construction Show. I'm your host, Joe Kelly, and this is the podcast about all things construction in Massachusetts and beyond. To all the weekly listeners, next week there will be no episode due to the holiday, and me just not wanting to be thinking about publishing a show while enjoying or not enjoying my family. Just kidding, kind of. And for everyone celebrating Christmas next week, Merry Christmas, and to you Canadians, Happy Boxing Day. Today will be another solo episode talking about wellness in real estate and construction. We'll cover what that means, what gets measured when determining wellness, and what are the certifications on the market. Enjoy the show. Today we're going to talk about wellness in construction. Um, And in some case, it's really going to be driven by... um, design and or from the top down owner to design or to us but us as construction professionals um, I believe and today's probably going to be a little bit more like an op-ed I believe we're going to start seeing wellness in the not a fan of the term but in the built environment Um, I don't know where that stemmed from but um, I believe we're going to start seeing that so what is wellness what does it mean when we say wellness Um, It means that you're building a building, whether it's retrofit or new, with the end user slash employee in mind slash resident in mind. So how can you build a building that looks at the wellness, right? The wellness of the individual in the same way that lead or green building looked at the impact on the planet or the health of the planet, right? Um, This is looking at the way we design and build buildings and how that impacts not the earth or the climate, but how it impacts uh, us as employees and residents in buildings. So what are some of the things um, that get looked at? And to some degree, it's a little bit amorphous, right? Um, But I think um, there's two, I'll tell you them briefly, but then I'm going to come back to them again. There's two certifications on the market. There's the well building standard and there's the fit well certification. Um, And they look at things. I'm going to kind of use the wellness model because they, uh, excuse me, the well model because um, they have it kind of in neat little chunks, but um, you're going to look at food. Okay. Everybody cares about food, right? Um, Whether it's for taste or, um, just overall health, but you you would need to look at um, labeling requirements on what's being served, uh, offerings of what's served, access and availability for people with dietary restrictions, um, allergies, things like that. So it's going to look at the food, what's offered there, what's given there, are there discounts, are there things like... Um, farmer's markets close by or fresh produce brought in on a regular basis. It could be just access to it. You're close enough to it. Um, That can count too, right? So it's a point system similar to a lead. Um, They're going to look at fitness, okay? And that is going to be, yes, if you have a fitness center or a gym in your building or in your office uh, directly, that's a positive thing, but it's going to also be access to it. Are there walking paths nearby? Um, It could also be, and this I think falls under a different category, but it could be um, standing desks 
or treadmill desks or bicycle desks, things like that, um, they can all be looked at from a fitness perspective. Um, do you put incentive programs to get gym memberships or attend or um, you know weight challenges, things like that? Any of those type of things um, could all get measured. Um, air quality. There is a lot of um, parameters around air quality. And um, this is funny. This is one that is going to tie into a prior podcast that we did um, when we had Alex Schwarzkopf on from Pillar. Um, and their um, sensors have this technology. They have the ability to monitor VOCs and dust particulate, right? So um, to some degree, you're going to be monitoring that type of stuff. You're going to be checking VOCs in the air. Um, it could be a smoking ban on campus. It's going to be quality of um, ventilation. If there are areas that have um, potential odors or noxious gases and things, like that those spaces should be negative, have closing doors on them. There's lots of ways to look at um, the air quality piece. Um, dust particulate, construction pollution, cleaning products that are being used. I mean, there's a litany of things you can look around the air quality, but um, that's something that is um, heavily looked at, and that's something that appears like technology um, is going to have an impact. Okay, and this is where, from a facilities perspective, um, things might change. You could look at um, currently facilities management has um, temperature issues. Some will call my office is too cold, my office is too hot, okay? Um, and that's normal for them to address that. But uh, I was listening to someone chat and they were talking about the potential, um, the technology is there to have air monitoring as an app on your phone. So I could quickly see in the future, and that's what this person was talking about, um, where facilities departments are getting calls about air quality, okay? The air quality in my space is terrible right now. I'm looking at it. And as an owner, you're going to need to respond, right? So if they're monitoring that, but you don't have a building that is equipped to deal with it, whether it's due to ventilation, self-closing doors, pressure, things like that, um, products you're using, people are going to stop monitoring that and say, you know, gone to the days where, and I've worked in these places where, oh, it's kind of a musty smell in here. You know, is that mold issues? What is it? Um, you think about the products that get used, right? Um, in offices, especially where you need fire ratings for the fabrics on the chairs and the um, carpets and things like that. So air quality, I think, is certainly a big one. Um, and the technology is here to monitor that. Um, lighting gets looked at. So think um, if you've read anything about circadian rhythms and blue lighting, and if you're sitting under those big kind of office fluorescent or LED lamps all day, um, what does that do for your ability to sleep, right? Um, do you have access to windows? Is there things to reduce glare from screens or whatever products? So um, lighting becomes an issue. Looking at lighting, someone to look at, um, might be if you just Google Dr. Kirk Parsley, blue light or circadian rhythm, something like that. Or if you just Googled um, blue light, circadian rhythm, sleep, um, either way, but uh, Dr. Parsley has some good stuff. And there's a lot of research out there that talks um, and you know proves that lighting 
uh, and the way it works with the way your, I think it's your retina takes it in, um, can affect your sleep. And think about it. Now we talk about the bottom line, line, bottom line type things, which is if you have employees that aren't sleeping well because they happen to be sensitive to this, right? What are they going to do? They're going to be more likely to be sick, right? Because they're not sleeping well. They're not going to be as a productive employee. So these are the type of things that um, can really improve uh, production at a company and start to pay back um, the cost that gets outlaid on the front end. They have a kind of a, a more amorphous type language where they talk called comfort, right? They look at comfort and that can be sounds. It can be straight up ergonomics of the office or the equipment that you use, uh, temperatures, smells. On the smells front, it goes back to that um, potential air quality thing, which is, is it a room where they're storing cleaning supplies? Then that room should be negative and should be exhausted. So everything's, you know, leaving the space and not coming out into the office, especially if you're sitting next to that. Uh, your office happens to be next door. So comfort is a little more broad. Um, mind, so that really comes into, I would say it might be more um, mental health wellness to an extent. So how are you addressing stress for your employees, um, addiction treatment, um, looking at things like travel, business travel, um, and putting policies in place. Do you have a travel policy that um, as an employee, you can refuse to take a red eye, okay? Or if you're on the day after you travel that you're allowed to work from home, things like that. So um, those are some things that could fall into that space. Um, they also throw biophilia, um, which what that means is really um, being in a space with natural products. And it could be actual living things that are plants, but it also could just be wood or stone um, anything natural versus going back to that where we talked about, um, you know, carpeting and fabric petitions and chairs and acoustical ceiling tiles that are all covered in a fire treated spray that you can either be breathing in or if you're touching it, you can absorb it through your skin. So there's a bunch of things going on there, right? So there's a potential straight up health impact of the non-natural products but then there's also a lot of science around um, in, in Japan. I won't attempt to say the uh, Japanese word, but it, uh, the translation is forest bathing. And they talk about going out in nature and what that does to um, you know, reduce your blood pressure, your stress levels, uh, your heart rate, things like that. So um, biophilia is looked at and then that not only like pillar and their sensors tie back in uh, mass timber clt you're working in a space or living in a space with exposed wood ceilings and walls and floors um, so that could be a net positive um, from a well building standard um, or i should say wellness because well building standard is just a particular certification and then the last one is innovation, similar to like LEED, where is, if there is a product or technology out there that is not listed, you can apply. And I'll use the, the architecture term, Does it, but you know, you have design intent. I would say if you meet the wellness intent 
and there's appropriate research to back it up, you can put that in and that um, would give you additional points. So those are things we're talking about food, we're talking about exercise, air quality, lighting, general comfort, um, and the more mental components of health with options for you to come up with other ideas. Those are the two things. There's a lot of overlap between FitWell and Well. And like I said, the Well Building Standard seems to be a little bit more involved. FitWell is a little bit more of a checklist system. Um, as far as well-certified buildings in Massachusetts, um, AEW Capital or AEW Partners, I forget their name, um, they have a well-certified office, uh, Erupt, the design firm, is well certified in mass work bar emd serrano up in bill ricker they have all received well certifications i had trouble finding massachusetts building that had fit well certifications but what i did find was um, what they call fit well champions so these are companies that have partnered with fit well um, and you're seeing some major names you're seeing and this actually i just saw um, something on linkedin last week or two that boston properties is now joined so um, boston properties is a fitwell champion tishman spires fitwell champion alexandria the life science real estate folks clark construction on the design side i want to see say eyp uh, perkins and will so there is some substantial real estate construction and design firms that are getting on board with FitWell. Um, now let's talk a little bit um, on pricing. There's not a ton of good information out there on pricing. Um, one article I read gave the range of anywhere from 50 cents to $5 per square foot. Now that was for FitWell or Well Building Standard. Um, Everything I read is fit well is um, probably considerably less expensive. Um, I want to say to the tune, well, here, I'll just um, quote from something I read that um, Erupt stated that on their project, the fit well cost, um, the fit well certification cost them $6,500. And the well certification added a half a percent to the project. Um, and if you do some quick math, you could see that, you know, depending on the dollar value of the project, um, you could be north of probably a hundred grand really quick. So I can see there's a big, uh, a big gap between the two, and that might be driving this adoption on the fitwell side of things. Um, another item that is specific that could really might drive the fitwell piece, which is um, if you are taking a loan through Fannie Mae. So presumably you're doing affordable housing um, and you choose to get a FitWell certification, you can have a 15 point basis point reduction in your loan. They will also pay $6,000 towards the certification, which I believe would probably cover almost all of them uh, or all the costs. Um, and then with the possibility of up to 30 basis point reduction, 15 and 30 basis point reduction on a sizable project and loan that's that's a big difference maker and you're not paying that 60 that six thousand that you would be um, that becomes 
I imagine really enticing for folks that are doing uh, affordable or low income housing. So that could certainly be a driver. Um, one other thing I might like to point out. So Fitwell has um, the champions like I talked about, which is the corporate level. They also have what they call Fitwell, I wanna say Fitwell ambassadors. And that's individuals that can get a certain level of training. Um, so if you find this interesting and you wanna dig in um, and learn more about it, uh, I'm gonna actually look at that myself to see if um, it might be something that I wanna do because um, from a personal perspective, um, like I mentioned before, uh, you know, this wellness has, has personally, um, it's kind of a bold statement, it might sound a little obnoxious, but changed my life um, to some degree by, you know, fixing my diet and sleep and all those type of things. It's helped with blood sugar problems that I had, a uh, fair amount of weight that I lost. Um, so I think this is important. And if you look at general trends in our society and how much um, health and wellness and things like meditation and food and, you know, getting in nature, it's just becoming more and more important to people. And I think um, as the demand grows, I think that the spaces that we live and work in um, are going to respond. So that's kind of my take on it. But I would love to hear your feedback. That's how I feel, but you know, are you is your opinion that this is a bunch of fluff and nobody cares? You know, if if you pay me, you pay me to work, and I'll go sit in a basement if you need to. Um, I don't know what's your opinion. I would love to hear back. And this one was definitely, like I said, more of an op-ed. And sorry, sorry if it was a little more bouncing around and all over the place. But um, when doing the research. There's not a ton of information. This is really kind of early um, in the adoption process. So to get hard data has been tough. But um, like I said, I really believe that this is the way we're going. And I'd love to hear what you think. Take care, guys. Hey, everyone. Can't thank you enough for listening to the show. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. Hope you loved what you heard. Um, if you did, if you wouldn't mind heading over to SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, wherever it is that you listen, and give us a rating. It would help us to get heard, which would be huge. Keep this thing going. Um, if you want to get more involved, head over to massconstruction.org. You can see what we do there. You can also connect with us on LinkedIn, Instagram, or Facebook, all from that page, whatever your medium is that you prefer. Uh, and last thing I got to say is thank you, thank you, thank you. Whoa, whoa. Keep your hands away from me.